How are we doing? Happy Mother's Day to the moms out there. Um, the older I get and the more I watch my wife be an amazing mom, the more I'm just amazed at um, the role and the responsibility and the weightiness of the call um, to be a mom that I think is just incredibly different than it is to be a dad. Um, and uh, if you're not quite convinced of that, send your wife out of the country for nine days and you will be convinced of that. Um, but... Uh, so uh, this morning, if you have your Bible, you can go to John 6, and we're going to be uh, thinking about this well-known miracle. Um, as, I've, as I've just processed the Lord in my heart for this morning, and really as I think about the call in my life to pastor, to pastor here, um, I'm, I believe a million percent that my responsibility and the way God's gifted and wired me is to inspire you to greater belief and greater steps of obedience every opportunity I have to stand up here before you. That, that how we think about God would, would grow deeper and that the, the active steps of obedience would become more and more bold by how you see God and how you see the gospel and that, that part of my job right here, right now is to inspire you in that, to go and do that. And, I, and here, here's what I wrestle with, like, like as a pastor, um, I, I see this time right here so weighty because he, here, here's the thing, I, I truly believe, and you can probably tell by my intensity every time I get up here in my excitement, I truly believe that, that God wants to change your life this morning. Every time I get up here, I believe that not because of the words that I, that I say or the wisdom that I have, but under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through the power of his word, that he wants your life to not be the same as a result of what would happen this morning. And so this morning's no different. Because think about this. We're talking about miracles. The act of belief is nothing short of a miracle. To, for you to think that the Bible has isn't just some nonsense stuff, that you would actually believe it is a miracle of God. For there to be any sense of affection, whether it be small or whether it be massive, for you to have affection for God is a, is a miracle. For you to have any part of your life that's like, I don't want to live for me. I want to live for others. I want to live for the glory of God. That is a miracle. It's a miracle of God. And to think that my feeble faith and my frail steps of obedience would somehow be acceptable before a holy, mighty, perfect God. Listen, that's the greatest miracle of all. Because here's the truth. We define miracle. We've been defining it um, kind of throughout the series. Here's the definition that we've given the term miracle. Um, the supernatural presence of God engaging with his finite creatures God's presence here, even now, to do miraculous things in our hearts. Um, and today we're going to see a well-known miracle. How many of you have no clue what the story of the feeding of the 5,000 is about? Can't raise your hand because I just said what it's about, feeding 5,000. Okay. Um, right, like, even the most unchurched, unbelieving people have, have this idea that there's this story about Jesus feeding 5,000 people. And they might think it's nonsense, um, like maybe you do here this morning, and, and, and that's okay. okay. Um, but it's well known. And here's the danger that we're going to have as we walk through this, and it's the same danger we're going to see in the text. The crowds and the disciples completely missed the point of the miracle. And they were there. 
completely miss the point and, and, and the dangers that we would miss the point of the miracle. You've probably heard the term missing the forest for the trees. Um, when, when Danielle and I first became foster parents and we first got Danny and Amelia, who we've now adopted, um, most of you were involved in that process and saw the intensity and the, and the insanity of that process and just the everyday, like, uh, attachment issues and, like, discipline issues and anger issues and food issues and I don't want to go to sleep and you need to go to sleep and, um, like, who's in charge and what did we do to our kids and what did you do to me and why am I here and mom and bio mom's death and just, just navigating the insanity of all of that. And, and I, if I'm just completely honest... I don't think either of us would even wish that we, could, we would repeat that stage, those first several months. But here, here's, here's the thing, that, and all of us have experienced this type of situation where you're head down, in the grind, survival mode. Anybody ever been in survival mode? You're just like, you don't even think about what's going on tomorrow. You're just like, I'm in the thick of it here um, and oftentimes what we do is we miss the forest for the trees, and, and we're, so f- we're so focused here that we miss the greater picture, the greater story of what's going on, right? It's like, it's like forgetting that your house is on a street with other houses, and you have neighbors, and those neighbors live in a community that live in a city that live and are governed by a state that's within a country, that's within a world. Like, there's something bigger going on than just here, now, right here, me. It's like the fact that you're, if you're a Christian in the room, you're a part of a bigger family that's not just you, but is this family and is a part of the, the, the bigger network of the people of God here locally, but also nationally and internationally. And we have a really easy tendency to forget the bigger story and the bigger picture of what's going on. And the danger this morning is that we would miss the miracle worker for the miracle. And maybe in our pursuit of a miracle in our life, whether God says yes to that or no to that, we miss him. So go to John 6 and uh, we'll walk through this and and pray that God will enable us not to miss the, the miracle worker. Let me pray for us real quick. God, um, inspire your word, or your word is inspired. God, um, use your spirit to help us see the inspiration and the truthfulness of it. God, may we never be the same as a result of your presence here this morning. In Christ's name, amen. John 6, 1, it says this. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. So this is the region where Jesus has done a ton of his, uh, a ton of his ministry, um, and they're to the point where they're finally kind of leaving. We've looked at several miracles, um, and by this time, uh, when you are this, have this kind of ministry and do this kind of work, you begin to draw a little bit of a, of a focus, a little bit of a crowd. Um, this miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, is the only miracle apart from the final week of Christ's life, the only miracle that appears in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the only one. Um, and so we can learn and kind of piece things together. Matthew, the Gospel writer, Matthew tells us that just before this miracle, Jesus had just found out that his cousin was beheaded. 
So you could imagine here, he's doing this ministry, um, and in the midst of all that, he gets word that his, John the Baptist is, loses his head to King Herod, and so he's like, I, I mean, okay, life just can't go on as normal, we can't just, I gotta get away, I gotta process this, I gotta figure this out, like, what is going on? And so, um, part of the reason there, he's trying to get away from the crowds, um, the Disciples had just come back. Mark t- Mark's gospel tells us the disciples had just come back from lots of ministry and lots of performing miracles and healing, and they had drawn quite a crowd, and they were like quasi-celebrity. So the paparazzi's all around them, like, like look at these people, and they're like, we need to get away. Like, we need some space. I know all of us as famous people fully understand the weight of that, right? Um, but that, that's, what they're, that's what they're experiencing. It's chaos. They couldn't even find a seat. It's like a mom who, how many times do you reheat your coffee in the morning because you're constantly like going back to the kid? Oh, I forgot my, co- I forgot my coffee's in the microwave. Oh, I forgot like, oh, like, I'm like, babe, why don't you eat? You haven't eaten. Well, no wonder. Yeah, like, everyone else is eating. Like, everyone else is dressed ready to go. But like, you know, it's, it's that type of thing. Like, I can't even focus on myself because everyone's grabbing for my attention. Um, some would argue that apart from the final week of Christ's life, that this day that's represented in, the, in, in this story is probably one of the most intense days in the life of Jesus, apart from his final days. So he... Um, Loses his cousin to a murdering, God-hated king. His disciples come back um, overjoyed from ministry. So that you can imagine the motion, the tension of that. The crowds are enormous surrounding him. He's teaching. He's healing. Um, he, he feeds 5,000 people, which we think is just like, you know, when we read it, we're like, boom. But you can imagine how long that would take to happen. Um, he tries to go alone up a mountain to pray. He's being surrounded, and people are coming for him. Um, his disciples are trying to, to fulfill all that he's asking of them and, and just navigating the emotion and, the, and all that's going on as well. Um, he, he walks across the sea to a boat full of scared disciples who are still wondering, what in the world happened today? You know, we really just fed 5,000-plus people? So that's the scene Look at verse 2. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. So he's trying to escape these large crowds. Jesus went up the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him. Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may Eat. So the time of the year is the Passover, which is a celebration of God's rescuing um, his people from the Egyptian uh, uh, rule and authority and oppression, um, but is a greater picture of pointing to the saving work that Jesus would do in rescuing us from sin and death. And here's what's crazy. If you look, if you look at the passage, the stress that, um, of the craziness of the day, what does it say Jesus did? Seeing the large crowds, he thought, they got to eat. Now, okay, when you, when you get home from work, well, let's, let's, let's just let me rephrase this. When you get home from a long, stressful 
really like hard like like you ever come home and you know your friend or your spouse or whoever's like how was work and you're like it was work right like Okay, so that, that's, that's kind of the scene here. Um, but what happens is, totally lost my train of thought, sorry. I get home from work. My neighbor comes across my yard. Oh, it's so good to see you. How are you? And like in my mind, I'm like, what's the fastest way I can end this conversation and get in the house? Like, no, I don't care about that. Or no, oh, you're, you're, you're having a hut. So like, I'm not compassionate at all. Maybe, maybe you guys are, maybe that's just me, but like, I'm not. I'm like, no, long, hard day, like, go away. Jesus, he sees all these poor people who can't feed themselves, and he's like, they got to eat. They got to eat. How amazing is that? Um, I, I put this thought down. We are called by God to be responsible people, but there are times when God's mercy rescues us from our irresponsibility and even our inability. Probably the majority of these people were unable to feed themselves. Okay, poor, it wasn't like they were just like, eh, like, I'm lazy, I don't feel like cooking today. Like, they probably hadn't eaten for a while, and so there was an inability, and God's mercy came and rescued because he, he cared. He cared so much. And here's what's so true. Is that where we begin to care about things that are bigger than us, we begin to see a God who can answer those moments. But when we try to navigate only what we can manage, and we run from the things that are like, gosh, I don't know how we're going to handle that, or I don't know how we're going to do that then all of a sudden we don't see a miracle-working God because we don't need miracles because life's so easy to manage. Verse 6. And he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Okay, so this is like um, kids in the room. Do you ever have those moments where your parent asks you a question um, and you know they already know the answer, right? And you're like, why are you asking me this question? Like, is it a trick? Is it a trap? You know, it's like, hey, how was your day today? And you're waiting for the answer when you, like, already got the phone call from school. You're like, I know. I get thinking in your head, I know full well how your day was. Like, so you better start speaking about how your day was. Like, it's like a trick, right? Like, you know, like, well, you weren't going to be in trouble if you would have told me about your day. But now that you lied about your day, now it's on and you're in trouble and you're grounded for the rest of your life. Okay, like, that, that's what's happening here. He, he said this to test them. Because he wasn't like, oh, like we, we, we go see if we can get some food. Like, like what, what, what are we going to do? Jesus wasn't panicking. Um, he knew. He's, he's te- in every situation, Jesus is teaching and revealing himself, but also teaching and revealing who we are and where we're missing. So you can imagine, like, the, the, the stress of this and what Jesus is asking. It's like, you know, go to, go to the town and, and f- well, you know, how are we going to feed these people? Like, you know, go to the local diner and be like, table for 20,000. You know, like, th- like this would have been, uh, I did the math, 800 six-foot giant party subs from Subway. <laughs> 800. It would have come out over $76,000, my price, uh, $76,000 plus tax. Unless Jesus had a, you know, 501c3 with a tax exempt, then we could have cut cut up a break. Maybe a a 10% discount. Um, What's he doing here? 
He's using the situation to expose in his heart, or in the disciples' heart, who they are, what they believe, what they don't believe. That's the situation that he's, he's using this. He's testing them. Two things that God's testing involves. The first one, it, it reveals and proves who we are. It reveals, like, when we go through situations, challenging situations, like, if you ever see something come out in you and you're like, like, I didn't, why did I say that? Like, where did that come from? Like, am I saved? Like, I mean, you ever have those moments? Like, God's proving. He's, he's testing. He's revealing what's in our hearts to expose where he loves us and where he wants us to grow and where he wants us to be more conformed to his image. But he's also wanting to improve us. Like, God's not just okay with... Okay, like, just stay in your unbelief. He's like, I want you to, I want to inspire you to greater belief. I want to inspire you to more and more and more. Not because I love you more, but because of my love, I have more for your life. You see the difference? And so I'll just put this question out. Like, do you want to grow? Like, when you think about your life, you think about your faith, you think about who you are, do you want to grow? You look back on your life two years. Can you say the follower of Jesus that I was two years ago? I can see growth in my life. Or maybe the, the understanding of trying to understand Jesus and faith and like I can see growth in my life. That's God's journey and desire for us. Look at verse 7. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. So this is about uh, eight months' wages. So a denarii was one day's wages for a common laborer. So this uh, would have been, you know, one, that one day's wages would have been food for about a family of five for like a day and a half. Um, 200 denarii, uh, that would have, would have fed probably uh, 3,000 people. Okay, but what's interesting uh, to note here is that we're dealing with way more than, than 5,000 people. What does it say in the passage? We'll look here in a second. It says men, but, but most believe that it would have been four times that when you factor in women and children. So you're looking at some fifteen to 20,000 people that are present. And so Philip's beginning to do the math, and he's like, this doesn't compute. This doesn't compute. It doesn't add up. And he's confused because he's missing the miracle worker for the miracle that he wants done or that he's unsure of. Because, listen, in times in your life when things don't add up, that should excite us. I know it doesn't. I know we freak out. And I know we're like, I still have a bill to pay or I still have a family to feed. Like, it's in those moments where God reveals himself Where's that at in your life? This just doesn't add up. Like, I don't know how this is going to work, or this just doesn't make sense. It's in those moments where God's like, I'm going to show up in ways you've never seen before. Verse 8. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. So I mentioned 5,000 plus women and children would probably put it somewhere around fifteen to 20,000 
people, they find this boy. Barley bread was common for, for among the poor. Can you imagine being this boy, like, all of a sudden, like, being pummeled for your, uh, not pummeled, I, I doubt Andrew pummeled him. Um, <laughs> Jesus might have lost his 501c3 status, but um, on that one. But so the, the disciples see this huge problem, right? Panic. Like, Jesus, what, like, what are you thinking? Feed this amount of people? Like, you ever have an idea, and you're like, yeah, we could do that, and then you start implementing the idea, and you're, like, freaking out. You're like, what was I thinking that we could even do this? Um, that's not Jesus. That's the disciples um, who are mad at the visionary and the compassionate guy, Jesus, because they saw a huge problem in a tiny God. But Jesus saw a tiny problem because he knew he was greater, he was bigger, he was more powerful, and he could do something to meet the situation where it was at. Now, think about Andrew here for a second. Um, probably a little bit of like, oh yeah, here's, here's the dude over here with like, you know, five loaves and two fish. Like, probably a little bit of sarcasm, a little bit of like, Jesus, what in the world are you doing? But on, on one part, I, like, I see some boldness in the fact that Andrew would even bring this up as a potential option. Right? Here, here's the thing about Andrew. Andrew was... The guy, I mean, you go study the life of Andrew in the Gospels. He was the guy who was always bringing people to Jesus. And he cared about individuals. Okay, get this. Andrew led Peter to Jesus. I guess that was somewhat significant. Peter's the reason why we're here as a church. Is who Jesus started the church on and Andrew's the one, the little brother, under the mouthy older brother, who brought him to Jesus. And here's in another instance, Andrew, in simple faith, in simple like, this is probably nonsense, but there's this kid. Come here. Come here, buddy. Come here. Like, here, here's Jesus. Like, look. Like, I want you to meet him. And he leads this boy to Jesus. And the result of that is the masses experience the abundance of Jesus. Who controls that impact? Jesus. We just be faithful. We just do what he's calling us to do. And he showed up. Look at verse 11. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. That statement right there is incredible. Take what you want. Take what you want. Um, one of the stories of, that I heard from the team when Danielle was in Kenya was they had all these women that were coming um, to eat because they didn't have food. And some of them, had, they were there with their kids, and it was like, come be a part of this conference. We want to teach you the word. We want to feed you with the word of God, and we want to feed you. And so um, they had two, three times the amount they planned for. At one point, they told the team, um, go to the coffee shop. We're not ready for you. It's going to be a mob when you get here, and we don't even have chairs or a place for everybody. And then they're like, well, we should, should we go to the store? We need to get more food. How are we going to sing? Because they, they sent, they sent um, meals home with them when they left so they could, they could feed them, but also they fed them there. And um, they were, one of them, I think Danielle is articulating, it's also in another, uh, I think, blog post where they were talking about how they're, they're feeding these women. 
And it was almost like, how in the world is this amount of food going to feed this amount of people? But yet they just kept filling bowls. They just kept filling bowls. They just kept filling bowls. And everyone was fed. Like that's, that's God walk, showing up in the midst of a faithful people who are wanting to serve a people that God's got to do a miracle here. It's amazing. When they had eaten their fill, he told the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Unreal. Like they had had extra, more after than at the beginning, unlike anything they'd ever seen before. So let me just phrase this question. Where in your life have you seen God's abundance? Like can, you, can you think of that? Where have you seen God's abundance? When I think about times where like had no clue how we were going to pay the bills or how we were going to make ends meet, and like just God showed up in unbelievable ways. I think about the accident with my dad when he broke his neck. Um, he should have lost his life, should be paralyzed. He's probably 90 percent healed. Like other ways. I think about the op- like, think about the open doors in your life. I think about the open doors God's giving us at our kids' school. It's just God's favor and abundance saying, like, I want to do mighty things through your just simple steps of obedience to show that I am God. That's what's happening here. That's the point of the miracle. Look at verse 14. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So they'd totally missed the point, right? Because they're like, this guy can heal us. He can feed us. Like, he should be our king. Like, we, he needs to be in charge. Totally missed the point of the miracle. The, the disciples totally missed the point of the miracle. What was the point of the miracle? We, we've, we've looked at it before in John 20, 31. All these things happen. All these things are written so that we may believe that Christ is the Son of God and that by believing we may have life in his name. That we would have, be people who actually find life in a living, perfect God, not that just feeds us, And not that just heals us, but actually rescues us from the depths of our own sinfulness and our own selves. But have you ever noticed the disciples' reaction? This is pretty pretty starking. Pretty stark. John 6.52 says, I'm sorry, Mark 6.52. It's over in Mark. Here's how it describes their reaction. For they did not understand about the loaves but their hearts were hardened. Later on in in Mark chapter 8, it describes um, they had gotten to a boat, all the disciples, and someone had forgotten bread for lunch. And they start freaking out, and it's probably like, like, Andrew, come on, like, like, why did you forget the bread? I left it right there, you know, uh, next to the the cart, or, you know, I left it right there. Like, how could you forget? And they're, like, panicking. Like, we don't have any bread. Like, what are we going to do? And Jesus just flat out rebukes them. And he uses the words, do you not remember? Like, how I fed the 5,000, and there were 
12 baskets full left over. Do you not remember? Later on, he, he fed 4,000, and there was leftovers. And he's like, you think I can't work up some lunch? Really? Hard hearts. Their hearts were hardened. Here's the danger of a hard heart, is that an ignorant heart can't harden itself. It's only in a knowing heart that can harden itself, which is why for, as God's people, this is so dangerous. Like for religion, like the people that were constantly described as hard hearts or uninterested were the disciples and were the Pharisees, were the religious people. Who once you start getting close to Jesus, like it just becomes like boring and, uh, and, and I don't know about that. And like the hearts are just hardened. That's the, the danger. The disciples were in the midst of it. They were carrying the baskets that were the representation of the person of Jesus who was right there in the midst. And their hearts were hardened. Both got lost in the miracle, the crowds and the disciples. But for you and for me, let's not miss this either, that Jesus, why did he make all this food? In one point, because he was unbelievably compassionate. And he cared He cared about the fact that these people were hungry. But it's more than just he'll feed us and he'll heal us. It's pointing to the bigger picture of the fact that he is the Savior. That's what's going on here. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Is that he put all of our punishment on himself. Is that he removed the guilt and the shame. He took all our payment on him and he says you're clean you're righteous i'm not just going to feed your soul with food i'm actually going to save and rescue your soul every single moment of every single day it's interesting to note that food in heaven won't be for pleasure or won't be to live it will be for pleasure We won't eat in heaven because we need to eat, because we're hungry, and if we don't, we will die. We will eat in heaven because of God's pleasure and delight in the reality of food. So three responses to the miraculous works of God. One, you can be selfish. Gosh, I see it. I see it. What's in it for me? Like, how's this going to advance my cause? How's this going to, you know, lead me up the ladder? How's this going to draw more attention to me? Or two, like the disciples, they're, you'll be hardened. I see it, but no. I don't believe it. I'm not convinced. Or four, worship. Worship. God's, God is great. And in the midst of seeing it, we're humbled. And we see a holy God who would, who would deal with an unholy people who would even care about us. I started the story at the beginning talking about missing the forest for the trees with foster care. Seeing, being so ingrained in, in the everyday that we couldn't see the bigger picture of what God was doing, the bigger picture of, of adoption coming and the continued journey. But here's the amazing thing. Um, Daniel's parents were, have always been our biggest supporters and encouragers. And time and time again, they would come over to the house. 
they would hear us crying and complaining and what do we do and this isn't working and and through prayer and through love and through tears they would always say Look at what God's doing. Look at where they've come. Look at the hope of the situation. Don't miss it. You're in the grind of it, but don't miss it. God is doing something bigger than you can see. And they spoke hope into us that God was doing something bigger. And so that's the hope I want to speak over us this morning. That in the midst of that, where we're praying for a miracle... Whether or not God says yes or no to that, don't miss Jesus. Don't miss the miracle worker for the miracle. Don't miss the miracle worker for the miracle. Don't be selfish. Don't be hardened. Let's be people who worship miracle working God. Uh, Let's pray. Papa, you are holy and good and, and so near that we can call you dad. That we can engage, that, that an unholy people can engage with a perfect God. God, miraculous. God, thank you that you care about us that you meet practical needs, that you care that we, we eat, that you care that, that our kids have clothes, that you care. But God, thank you for not just giving us an easy life on our way to an awful eternity, but thank you for caring enough to beckon us into the saving grace that you offer. Oh God, would you inspire our faith, would you inspire belief, and would Would you show us the amazing love that you have? Um, May we never be the same in Christ's name, amen.